Welcome to Heavily Meditated, a podcast celebrating human potential. Meditations, interviews, tools, trainings, and more designed to take you higher. Let's raise the collective consciousness together. All right, well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast. I'm Scott Roberts, co-founder and host of the Heavily Meditated Podcast. As always, thank you so much for your presence today. I'm so glad you're all here because today I'm interviewing Sarah Bird. Um, Sarah is a spiritual expert and coach and uh, the founder of Hello Lovely Life and Sarah Bird Coaching. She offers one-on-one and group coaching as well as multiple resources to help people create a soul-driven, purpose-filled life. Uh, she's also the creator and host of the Charming Dharma podcast and the founder of Basic Goodness Magazine, and the author of the Insights Reflection blog. She's got a lot going on. Uh, Sarah's originally from Austin, Texas, and has lived in Boulder, Colorado. Shout out to Boulder. And Leicester, UK. Am I saying that right? Did I get it right? Leicester? It's, it's Leicester, but a lot yeah. of Americans mispronounce yeah, it as Leicester, yeah. They always help. Um, Sarah's actually created the Buddhist radio show called Dharma, uh, Charming Dharma, uh, which later became the podcast while traveling abroad. Uh, Sarah also holds degrees in both religious studies and contemplative psychology, as well as a minor in Sanskrit uh, from Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, where Emily, my wife, actually worked for a while. So love the, love the place. It's the only Buddhist-inspired contemplative uh, university in the U.S. Awesome. We love Naropa. Um, and then Sarah is trained in a Tibetan language, uh, lineage of Buddhism and practices both Mahayana and Vajrayana Buddhism. Did I even get that close? It's fairly... Yep, that was good pronunciation. Perfect. <laughs> and then uh, she's also participated in variously, uh, various professionally facilitated spiritual experience since she was a young teen, including holotropic breathwork, one of my absolute all-time favorites. I love that. Um, and transpers- uh, transpersonal breathwork, trance dancing, sweat lodges. That one I can't do. Uh, too hot for me. <laughs> past life regressions, shamanic journeys, yogic fire breathing, and more. Um, I've known Sarah for several years, and I've always been in absolute love with her just positive energy or optimism, love for life, um, and always consider you to be one of the sweetest uh, and just most positively energized women I've ever met. Um, <laughs> uh, I couldn't be happier to have Sarah on the show with us today to give our listeners the chance to get to know her and see just how amazing she is and how the work she's doing is actually making the world a much better place. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. What a flattering introduction. And I can't say how flattered and happy I am to be here. Been a big fan of you and Emily for a long time. And uh, ever since we met way back in the Boulder area a few years ago, I've just been melting over all of your content. So I'm really, really happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you. Well, and and so I always start this with a quick joke of just, you know, you know, I like you to introduce yourself and tell the world a little bit about yourself. And I just say, you know, start at birth and move quickly forward. We'll see where. (laughs) Well, it seems to have moved quickly forward since birth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I was uh, born in kind of a, a country town outside of Austin, Texas. In fact, I was born at home and I love telling this story. The house I was born in was not in any city limits. And so on my birth certificate where it says city of birth, the midwife just wrote rural. I was born in like the county in Texas. 
So small town girl. Um, and then, but grew up in Austin, always had exposure to different world religions. Um, as a kid, we lived down the street from a Hindu ashram and wow. would go to the festivals. I attended a Waldorf school growing up. So we kind of were in a little bit of a hippie um, realm, even though it was in small town, Texas. Yeah. And I really got introduced to my own spiritual journey as a young teen, probably 13 or 14. I started doing past life regressions with this wonderful therapist who's still there uh, working in Austin and started doing holotropic transpersonal breathwork experiences. I think my first one, I was like 15. I mean, I was a kid. Yeah. Got really involved in my spiritual path and got introduced to meditation and mindfulness. And the way I like to describe it is even though it was the first time in this lifetime that I was being introduced to like real heavy spirituality, it was like I was coming home. You know, it was like I was meeting my spiritual self again for the first time and really just launched into that. And then when I went to university, I went to Naropa in um, Boulder. Uh, as you mentioned. And that is where I got really heavily trained in Tibetan Buddhism. The university there is founded by a Tibetan Buddhist monk, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Um, but I also, my degree was in transport, I mean, I'm sorry, it was in Indo-Tibetan Buddhism is my religious studies degree. And simultaneously, my other major was transpersonal psychology, contemplative psychology, so both from an experiential side as a teenager and then as a young adult in college, I got the academic side of it. I've just been studying like the psycho-spiritual path all along. Then after school, I um, worked for this um, kind of interreligious ministry called Unity uh, that happens to be based out of Kansas City, which is like super conservative evangelical, but this is like the opposite of that. Um, and so I worked in unity churches, unity spiritual centers all over the U S for about 10 years and then, um, got trained as a life coach and decided to start my own personal life coaching business, focusing on kind of the psycho spiritual journey. And that is where I am today. So hopefully that was a fast forward enough from oh, that was great. Huh. <laughs> Those are fantastic. So yeah, yeah. I love hearing the story and you know, getting to know how you came to what you're doing now and. Yeah, I, yeah, I just love to learn a little bit more about you know what your passion is around life coaching and how that's evolved from you know your you know original studies and how you decided to get into life coaching and you know what that journey's been like for you. Well, yeah, there came a point um, when I, in my career where even though I was kind of in the realm of spirituality, which is obviously what I'm <laughs> have dedicated my entire life to, uh, personally, academically, professionally. Um, there came a point where I just felt kind of flatlined, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel very alive. I felt really uh, disappointed in my life in many ways. And I internalized, internalized that as being disappointed in myself. I didn't feel good. I, I remember asking myself, how did I get here? You know, and it wasn't a complimentary, Oh, how did I get here? It was like, Oh gosh, how did I get here? What did I do? And you know, I just kept asking, where did it all go wrong? And this was, you know, the quarter life crisis age, I was probably 25 or so and um, found myself living in a city that I didn't fit in with. I was in Fort Worth, Texas, after living in hippie Austin and hippie Boulder and studying Tibetan Buddhism, I ended up landing in um, very cowboy town, Fort Worth, Texas. 
and just lived there for way too long and was like, I would love to see the world. I have all these hopes and dreams and I can't see a path towards achieving those or experiencing those and just felt really um, discouraged and incapable. And then I stumbled upon the life coaching industry. I think the first person I was introduced to was Michael Hyatt. I just like stumbled upon his podcast or read his blog or something and started taking, you know, a few courses here and there. And then I got introduced to another coach and another coach and another coach and kind of blew up in this world of self-development, which I had been in a part of for many years, but through the strictly spiritual side of it. So to get in this like personal development world, I was like, oh, I, I remembered that I'm capable. I actually can do things in my day-to-day life in order to achieve these goals and dreams that seem so far-fetched to me. And um, then I ended up enrolling in these courses and got certified as a life coach myself um, and then moved to England from Fort Worth, Texas. I literally remember thinking, what is the most opposite place in the world of Fort Worth, Texas? And I was like, England, let's go. Um, Cold, rainy, not hot and sunny, no cowboys to be seen. And um, not that there's anything wrong with cowboys. I was just roll over it at the time. And so I moved to England and this is actually where I got trained while I was over there and started up this podcast. I worked at a radio um, station, just a small local radio station. I don't think is even still in existence. It was called Lush Radio and was like, you know what? I want to show and what do I want to talk about? Buddhism, personal development, spirituality. And I'm convinced they only gave me the show because I had an American accent. Uh, <laughs> I was not qualified. I never led anything like that. Um, but I did. And I realized by just, you know, being on the airwaves locally, I doubt anyone actually listened to the show at the time. Um, but just being on the airwaves, I was like, Oh, I can start to produce things that not only am I interested in, but actually could really make a positive impact on people in a really deep and meaningful way. And when I came back to the States, um, the show kind of transformed. I started a, um, a magazine, Basic Goodness Magazine, which is um, the idea of basic goodness is a Buddhist belief. It's that we all inherently have this basic goodness, kind of the opposite of original sin, if you will. Yeah. And um, just wanted to help people in, in a really transformative way. While I was in Europe, I had traveled. I'd been all over to like 15 countries or something like that. And somebody whose, you know, parents have never even left the state of Texas. Like, that's pretty amazing. I'm the only one who got out. I'm the only one who's ever lived anywhere. First generation college student, et cetera. So I came from very humble means and found myself living these really amazing experiences in fantastic company. I mean, people like you and Emily doing really amazing things, travel, other jet setters, you know, traveling the world. And, um, So then my one-on-one coaching, this is where my background in psychology really helped because not only was I just like, you know, how can you live bigger? How can you reach your maximum potential? How can you go for your dreams? It was also like, what is the deep inner work that's preventing you from doing that? And because I had the background in not just psychology, but transpersonal psychology, which is the field of psychology, it's fairly new, that kind of marries the psychology and spiritual. Uh, realms. So it's the psycho-spiritual approach to personal development. Um, And that's how I helped people. It's like, what what are these deep internal blocks? Not just like 
surface level, I always say like, we don't do pop spirituality at Sarah Bird Coaching. We go deep, you know, we're doing the real work. We want to dig in and find out. And kind of my whole theory in my work is that in order to move forward, you really have to address the back. You know, if you haven't addressed your life up to this point and you have these traumas or you have these, you know, fears or you were told these messages from your family or whatever, we need to work through those before we get to, okay, now how do we create the life that you're ready for? So I do both. I do the inner deep work and I do the forward thinking, live big, fulfill your dreams work. Yeah, it's so great. Well, and there were so many great points in there and, you know, something that I, you know, I hope anybody that's listening to this podcast episode will, will hear and take away from this is that, you know, first there, there was a point in your life where you knew that you just weren't where you wanted to be, but you probably weren't quite sure of how you got there and where to go from there. And it was by doing that inner work that you were able to, you know, figure out what was, you know, causing that dis-ease that you were feeling. Um, right. And in fact, we just just did a training on this this week on the podcast all about that, about how I had the same experience. And that is, that can be something very, very mild for a lot of people. It can be just kind of a, oh, you know, I'm not really happy, you know, I kind of want to move on, you know, what can I do? But it can also be very traumatic for some people, myself included, and it can be a big cathartic moment that can go one of two ways. So, you know, it was fantastic that you, that you had the knowledge, you had the education, you had the self-work to actually be able to work through that and to be able to ask yourself that question, come up with the answer, um, and then actually, you know, make a leap from there. Um, you know, the other piece that, you know, I really loved you were talking about was how you decided to make the move away from where you were and go to somewhere totally opposite of where you were to change your geographic location, which really helps actually, I think, when you can change your external environment uh, for something that's more up-leveled and more exciting, then that can always help with the transition of breaking away from an, you know, from an old life. So fantastic stuff there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. You know, that last piece you were talking about reminds me of what's that old famous George Carlin joke where he said, you know, before you diagnose yourself as depressed or angry or anxious or whatever, make sure first that you're not just surrounded by assholes <laughs> and <laughs> I hope I can curse on this show. Make yep. sure you're not surrounded by jerks. Yeah. Um, but I love that. And, and I'm not saying I was surrounded by jerks, um, by any means, because this is where taking self-responsibility really helped me. But I did realize that my environment was not conducive to my goals and desires. And it was up to me. It's my responsibility, um, to change that and to go find somewhere that does and take responsibility for my environment, take responsibility for how I internalize it. Uh, I, personally am a highly sensitive person. I'm an HSP, um, figured that out way too late in life, but lucky that I did. Uh, and what I know from that is that I'm deeply impacted by things and, you know, I'm an empath. Other people may relate to this. They called me an indigo child when I was a kid, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I really, really am impacted by my external environment. And I was always felt like a victim to it. I always felt like I was a victim to my circumstance. Like I said, I came from modest means. There were many years when I was like, oh, I don't come from that kind of family that travels. I didn't come from that kind of family. I'm not, you know, 
I don't come from those people who can experience great things. And what I realized is that I am those people who experiences great things. You know, I am, I'm responsible for myself. And um, when I figured out that I was no longer a victim of my circumstances and living from the state of victimhood, that's when I could really tap into my potential and say, hey, I do want to create these things and I'm capable of it. And when I make a decision, gosh darn it, I'm going to do it. It's going to get done. Okay. And um, I think that that's something that I really help people when I'm doing the one-on-one coaching is breaking past the victimhood that, that we have been trained to live in, especially as women. We get trained that we're incapable. We get trained in society that we're not good enough, that we're not pretty enough, we're not skinny enough, we're not wealthy enough, et cetera, et cetera. But truthfully, we are so capable and um, we do have the power within us if we can just learn to find it and tap into it. And then the rest is history. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, it's always, you know, something that we echo with, you know, everything that we talk about is that you're not given a desire if there isn't the means for you to actually accomplish that goal that you're going for to realize that desire. It's, you know, those desires are dropped in your soul for a reason. And it's the the frustrating part is that most of us are not brought up in a way that really trains that into us. And in most cases, quite the opposite. You know, we learn that you shouldn't listen to fantasies and you shouldn't dream of all these crazy things. Not everybody's going to be an astronaut. Not everybody's going to be an actor. (laughs) And all that, everybody telling you what you can and can't do all the time. And so, unfortunately, most of us have these intense desires that we experience and we have no idea what to do with them. And we have tons of people telling us, well, get your head out of the clouds. You're a dreamer. Sure, everybody would love to be able to travel the world in style, but, you know, that's not available to us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and to bring it back to the mindfulness piece, because I know this is the heavily meditated podcast, which obviously I'm a big fan of that. Um, This piece right here that you're talking about, this kind of internalized shame that holds us back, it, it may not have even been something that someone said to you directly. Like I didn't go around telling people, hey, I would like to travel the world. Do I have your permission? You know, that conversation didn't happen. What did happen is that as I moved through my life, I started to internalize these beliefs based on information given to us in society, as you were talking about. And the way that I was able to break through them is to, um, and this is pure meditation technique, is to observe them, get curious, then evaluate, and then re-establish re, uh, a new set of beliefs. So the first one observing, and this is something that we talk about in Buddhism, is you have, the, you have these multiple levels of mind. So you have the experiencing mind, the experiencing body, the experiencing self. And this is the self that goes around and has conversations. And when somebody says something mean, it goes, ouch, that really hurt, you know, or when something pleasurable is happening, you're excited and you're really feeling, you're totally invested in the emotions. Um, or what some Buddhist term is the six the sense perceptions in life. So you're experiencing the world. Then you've got this mind um, that is observing that, is watching it. So it's almost like a person standing on a balcony at a a multi-story house. And you're just kind of watching it as though you're observing a movie, a film. But you're seeing, you're experiencing the experiencing self 
as the character in the film and you're watching it and saying, oh, that part of me is having this experience. I can see it. But the observant mind is not simultaneously feeling those emotions. They're just observing it. So when I had these beliefs around, you know, I didn't come from that kind of family. I didn't come from money. I'm not pretty enough, et cetera. I could then start to catch myself thinking, and the mindfulness training is really helpful. I was catching myself in the middle of these thoughts and interrupting them. And the curiosity is the next step is like, where did that come from? Where, whose voice is that is a common question you hear in psychology. Who's saying that? Is that a message you got from your mother? Is it one you got from your dad, from your siblings, et cetera, from society, TV, whatever. And then you can choose whether this is the freedom of choice. You can choose whether to keep that thought and say, is that in alignment with my values? Is that in alignment with who I really am? Is that in alignment with obtaining my goals? Being able to go and travel and achieve, is that going to help me get there? If so, great. I want to continue experiencing joy and pleasure and fun and gratitude. If not, you can say, okay, that's not for me. I'm going to do the work I need to do to release this belief, whether it's, you know, working with a licensed counselor. I know Emily does the um, therapy meditations that she's doing. She's a fabulous resource. Uh, Working with a coach, whatever you need to do to heal that. And then reestablishing new beliefs. So instead of, I don't come from that kind of family, I'm perfectly worthy of traveling the world. Instead of, I'm not pretty enough, I'm beautiful and stunning just as I am, and my worth doesn't come from my external beauty, et cetera. Um, EFT is another resource I use, emotional freedom technique, tapping, a lot of people call it, to break down these negative beliefs and reestablish and build up new and positive ones. So that's really how in one way, mindfulness has really helped me to make that leap from, I'm kind of miserable in life. It's more than just being dissatisfied. I don't know how much longer I can handle this to, oh, I'm actually capable of reaching my goals and going for them. Yeah. Well, and you, and you brought up something that triggered a memory for me of when I was reading Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. I talked about him in our last training. um, And and, and there was a moment when I was reading the book and he said that, you know, he had this conversation in his head of, I can't live with myself anymore. And that's when he was looking at committing suicide. And he's like, then he asked him this, then he asked himself the question, who is the me that I can't live with? And who's the I? Yeah. And how are they <laughs> different? And that's when his journey started. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Who can't live with whom? Who's on first? What's on yeah. second? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, um, I think when you are finally able to navigate through the nuances of these kind of um, different selves, and um, I've really related with some of your story that you shared and some of your story that Emily has shared of just being in a place, and you and I have had personal conversations when we both lived back in Colorado, of just like, I was not happy. I wasn't, and it wasn't just that I was happy, it's that I was angry, I was frustrated, I was miserable with myself. I didn't like myself. I didn't love myself. I didn't feel worthy. You know, just all of these negative emotions that truly were directed towards me. But because I was living and seething in that, it was also expressed out in the world. And therefore, I didn't have positive relationships in the world. You know, my whole life was built on these emotions. And when you can finally start to, like I said, navigate through the nuances of these different parts of yourself, approach 
the parts of you that are in pain and suffering with compassion, approach the parts of you that are hurting instead of shaming it and putting it in the shadow even more. Um, you can approach it with compassion and say, no, let me shine a light on this part. Let me bring it forth and do the healing. That's when you're really tapping into your potential. That's when you're really going from, I feel stuck. I feel like a victim. I feel miserable. I don't, this isn't comfortable, but I don't know how to get out to, oh my gosh, I'm capable of creating this. I feel free. I love myself. You know, then you can start flipping all these things. And um, yeah, that bringing the shadow into the light has been another really important part of my mindfulness practice. And the only way I'm able to do that is with compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and, yeah, and that's, you know, been a, been a topic that I've seen going around a lot, especially right now during the pandemic with people really having to face things that they haven't faced before, like com completely changing their home life dynamic, uh, you know, from probably being able to not really deal with things uh, previously, you know, because they didn't have to. And now so yeah. people are being forced to spend very quiet, focused time with all the people in their life that they usually <laughs> were not around for long periods of time. So now, you know, there's been stress and tension and that sort of thing happening. So we've seen that a lot with, you know, clients and, and just, you know, on social media as well, just people having to learn how to navigate, how to not just ignore and numb out things mm -hmm. that have been bothering them. And yeah, you know, you, you brought up the point that, you know, there's, you know, a difference when you have that feeling of, oh, you know, I'm kind of bummed because, you know, the coffee shop near my house doesn't really have the latte that I want. <laughs> As opposed to, I wake up First world morning, problem. yeah, it's like, you know, really, really tough there. And yeah. that's quite a bit different than when you have like this incredibly intense desire to do something so much bigger and you just have no idea exactly what it is. You have no idea how to go about it. And you have yeah. all these external forces kind of holding you back and trying to keep you, including the programming that you get. Um, and That's so you right. touched on something I'd you know, love for you to share more about is, is like how you can access that programming, you know, change the beliefs that you have. Yeah, well, um, this is something that, what a great question, first off. And I do believe that there's a difference between just kind of um, dissatisfaction or disappointment and just like a kind of general discomfort, which can, which is perfectly valid by all means. I mean, a lot of people, like you said, during the pandemic are having a level of discomfort that they have not experienced before that they could escape through work or, you know, going to the movies or whatever, staying busy. Um, and that is worthy of addressing for sure. However, when you're in a state, and this is where I found myself for way too many years, um, unfortunately, embarrassingly. So I was stuck in this state of like, right there with being, you. <laughs> being such a victim. This is where true victimhood is. And this is what was so toxic within myself is that, um, classic perfectionist here, total type a been making my bed every morning since I was like six, like <laughs> bedroom was perfect growing up. And I struggle with perfectionism so much. Even to this day, it's something that I continually work with in mindfulness and contemplative practices. But when I was stuck in this state of not only am I not good enough to reach my goals and dreams, not only am I not worthy enough, but every time I try, I fail and it just reaffirms that I'm a screw up. 
it just reaffirms that I'm not worthy. You know, then you cycle back to the beginning. I'm not worthy. See, every time you try it, tried, you failed, etc. And to break free from this loop, and if you want to bring it into the context of Buddhism, which obviously is my area of expertise, um, there's this thing called the wheel of samsara. And samsara in Tibetan or Sanskrit, whichever language you're basing off of, um, just means suffering. And so the idea in Buddhism is that if you're stuck in this cycle of suffering, then you're not experiencing freedom. You're not experiencing life to the fullest. You don't have this mind, this clarity of mind that allows you to be fully present. And there are these six realms within the wheel of samsara. And they're basically like the six realms of suffering. Now, I know this sounds really negative and pessimistic. And a lot of people hear this in Buddhism and think, God, what a negative religion, but it's actually not where it ends. Uh, the liberation is in the cycle of suffering, we get stuck in this loop and it's this thought pattern that we go over and over. But the truth is, this is the liberating part, and I'm skipping over a lot of Buddhism here. So if you want to learn more, reach out. But the, the truth is that we are capable of removing ourselves from that cycle we are capable of cutting it through. And the way that we cut through it is through clear thinking, through clearing the mind. Cue meditation, right? This is where meditation and mindfulness comes in as we still the mind and we don't get so stuck in, gosh, your failure, you know, which leads to anxiety. And I have to tell you the story. I clenched my jaw and I clenched it so tight that I actually broke one of my molars. Like that's how much anxiety I was holding because of this perfectionism cycle. It's like, I'm not good enough. And the less I try, the more I want to try, the more I try, the more I fail, right? This is the loop that I was talking about. And the mindfulness just stills all of that. It's like letting a glass of water that has a bunch of dirt and bubbles in it just get still so that it all kind of settles to the bottom. And when that settles, that's where you can see clearly. You can go, oh, this hurt me and that's why I have these reactions or this was really great and that's why I feel so inspired in these moments. Let me choose what I would like to do. So that's how you kind of get out of that. And um, oh, there was something else I wanted to say about that. I can't think of it. So you can swipe that part out when you edit this. <laughs> No worries. Well, and you know, it, you know, it brings up the point that one of the first steps to actually creating any sort of change in your life is to first get really clear on what you're thinking and where those thoughts are coming from and how that affects what you do and what you think moving forward. You know, we're, we're so stuck in our programs and our subconscious mind and, and it's, and it's hard for me to really get across just how powerful our subconscious is. I, you know, I, you know, I think people hear subconscious or unconscious behavior and they think, oh, that just means like, you know, you don't know what you're doing. It's, it's so much deeper than that. And to think that your subconscious is the same subconscious that's able to divide cells at the exact rate that it needs to in the exact yeah. order that it needs to in order to replicate cells and to create the right amount of white blood cells and red blood cells and send blood where it needs to. And this is all going without you having to think at all. And that's the okay. same subconscious that is running the program of all your thoughts. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so important for people to gain access and yeah, you know, meditation being mindful of the thoughts is one of the keys to that. Cause when you can actually 
sit down, be quiet, and start to just listen to your thoughts, not try and quiet them, not try and turn them off, but instead just become aware of them and start noticing patterns. You start to see like, oh, wait a minute, I always think this same thought over and over and over. Where did that thought come from? Oh yeah, yeah. let me think about that. So yeah, it's, it's so powerful. I got major chills when you were talking about the cells uh, duplicating and like the subconscious and the body just doing what it naturally meant to do. I literally got chills in my arms. And um, aside from that, just being a stunningly beautiful, like description of how powerful, how much power we hold within us, how much sacred wisdom is already in our subconscious. And this is something that I think is a big misconception about mindfulness and meditation is that a lot of people you know, kind of hear the instruction and then think, oh, I'm supposed to stop my mind. I know you've talked about this in other podcasts, but, um, you know, I, I'm supposed to stop. I'm supposed to be silent and not have any thoughts. And let me tell you, as a lifelong meditating Buddhist, that ain't never going to happen. <laughs> Doesn't happen. It's not possible. But what is possible is that you can get still and stopping and being still have a very subtle but distinct quality to them. It's very important, the difference, because stopping is fighting against yourself, which actually is, is the same thing that you're always doing. We're always, you know, if you don't like yourself, you're just fighting against yourself. It's like Eckhart Tolle. It was like, which part of me doesn't like me? And when you're actually getting still and a thought comes in and instead of, you know, the description I always give is like, okay, you sit down for 10 minutes and you're going along and the timer's going and you're not paying attention. And it's very boring. Like meditation can be very boring when you first start. And trust me, I've done the retreats. I know how boring it can get. But all of a sudden you're thinking either, you know, back to when Timmy pushed you down on the playground in third grade and what you should have said to him in that moment, to put him in is, you know, you get all wrapped up in it. Or you're sitting and you're bored and a thought comes along and all of a sudden you're on a hammock in the Bahamas drinking, you know, your pina colada. It's like really pleasurable uh, kind of fantasy. But both of those are taking you away from the present moment, which I get at first is very boring. But the beauty of it is if you stay long enough with it, if you can really tap into what's actually going on in the present moment, I love to walk through nature. And one of the things I love about being in nature is you think, oh, it's so quiet in nature. But when you actually stop and listen, you hear the birds, you hear the wind, you've got the frogs chirping, you know, the rustle of the birds taking off. There's actually so much to listen to. And when you can get still in that present moment, that's where you uncover. If you can get past the boredom, get past the Timmy in third grade and pina colada on the Bahamas, then you can start to find this inherent wisdom in the present moment, this inherent uh, aliveness, this basic fundamental goodness you have within you. And once you tap into that and you do it every day for half an hour or an hour or longer and longer, or even 10 minutes, if you can tap into your own inherent wisdom, that's when interacting with the world not only becomes a lot easier, but a lot more magical because you're interacting from this place of wisdom. So I love that you spoke to that of how we just have this un unconscious, unthought of automatic going on magic within us, this beauty of being alive. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and that's, you know, so something that I used to try and bring up in my yoga classes that I taught, like trying to get people to tap into this idea that, you know, when you're lying in Shavasana, you've worked your butt off, you're now, you're now having the reward of all that hard work and you're laying there. It's like, don't just like zone out and, and start to drift away. Instead, like start to really tap into the feeling inside your body right now and realize that right now, blood is pumping through your body, oxygen's moving everywhere that it needs to in the exact amount that it needs to. And that's because inside of you, who you really are, is the same thing that is inside all the millions of stars. Like literally, you are made up of the exact physical and spiritual content as every star you see in the sky. That's how much power you have inside of you. So just tap into that, feel that for a minute, you know, don't, yeah. don't like zone out and start thinking, you know, I really got to hurry up and grab my phone so I can get out of class and go like, enjoy this moment. This is what you've worked so hard for. I was always yeah. really amazed. Like, you know, I, you know, I taught early morning, like level two yoga classes and there would be people that, you know, this is their only chance to get away and do something before they go to work in between the kids and all that. And it was always such a bummer. There would be people that, I mean, you would see them just working, working in class, pouring sweat, doing everything they can to get their bodies into the perfect posture and all that. And then as soon as Shavasana hits, they're like, all right, I got to hurry up and get out of here now. I've got things yeah. to do, places to be. And they just never mm -hmm. get to experience the true, you know, joy of class. <laughs> the joy of being present in the moment, yeah. you know, and um, there's this, so I'm sure most people have seen, um, the Tibetan prayer flags, They've, the flags that are hanging on the mountains in Tibet, and, um, and all five college campuses. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's right, in every dorm room, yeah. yeah. And um, they, so it's the red, yellow, white, blue, and green, and that's actually, those all have meaning, and that's the lineage that I'm trained in, Tibetan Buddhism. And the, all five of them are different energies that we embody in our daily life, that all of the world embodies, it's just kind of like the five different energies of the world. And they, every single one of them can be expressed on a spectrum from a neurotic expression to a wisdom expression. And the way you're talking about being in the present moment, and this is really what mindfulness brings up to me, um, the, uh, the white one is called the Buddha energy. And Buddha, the word in Sanskrit just means awaken, the awakened one. It's kind of like the word Christ. A lot of people don't make this connection, but Christ means the anointed one in a very similar fashion as the awakened one. So if, if you're embodying the Buddha energy, it simply means that you're awake. You're awake to the moment of reality. You're awake. You have this crystal clarity. And in the, you know, like you said, people are working their butts off. And I do this too. I know you've talked about this. You and I have personally talked about this of working really hard, um, you know, at our laptops, like we put in the work, we put in the hours. And yet when we have these moments of being still, and we have this moment of Savasana where we can be just we actually can just be, there's no being this or that, we're just being, that we rush through it. And there is this um, kind of, so the Buddha energy on the wisdom spectrum is being fully awake. On the, on the neurotic side of it, it actually is this like flatline dullness. And this is what I felt when my life was really boring and when I didn't like myself. And this um, kind of discrepancy between where I was and where I knew I wanted to be and not knowing how to get there. Like 
that gap between those two was bigger than the Grand Canyon. Let me tell you, I had no idea how to build a bridge and get to it. But I took that dullness in life and I started implementing little practices like paying attention to the, my heartbeat, you know, when I'm in Savasana, especially after a big hard workout, you can feel your heartbeat in your fingertips and in your toes. Like you can actually feel it beating, paying attention to the twinkling of the stars when I'm out on a late night walk. I'm lucky enough to live here in Santa Fe where we're out in nature. I live in the mountains and you can actually see the stars twinkle or being present with a kid laughing at something funny. You know, all of these little moments, I started to shift those. And all of a sudden that dullness in my life started feeling like potential. It started feeling a little bit more alive every single time I was present. So this is the power of mindfulness is you're slightly more alive in every moment. And if you add those moments up and it becomes your whole life, this is um, the word contemplative practice is meant to be in every moment you're alive and awake and contemplating. You're not dull, but you're awake. Yeah. And it's a simple thing, but it's so life transforming. So I love your story of like, having these people wake up in that moment of Savasana rather than skip over it. Cause it's so precious. It really is precious. Yeah. Well, and you know, you tapped into something that, you know, I think, especially in the entrepreneur world, people can be really afraid that if they do meditation, that they're going to become very boring and very complacent, <laughs> And then they're not going to have that drive and that energy. Mm. And, and they feel like, well, if I'm not, on my laptop, on my phone, if I'm not shooting videos, if I'm not doing Facebook lives, if I'm not constantly going and going and going, and if I'm just yeah. sitting around and thinking, uh, all I'm gonna do is become really like boring and I'm gonna become very mellow and quiet. I'm gonna become some yeah. little Buddha yogi, right? Yeah. Is kind of what they're thinking. And, and, and it can be just the opposite. Um, yeah, we had, uh, we had Aaron Erickson on the podcast and he actually does these, mystical retreats and stuff and he you know does quite a bit of meditation and one of our coaches also has told us about a story he had where like he was doing a very intense meditation and the next thing he knew he's inside the refrigerator lying next to a cucumber so it's not like <laughs> meditation is really boring meditation could be quite insanely powerful and, and really yeah. once you get into it once you learn how to do it correctly yeah. And I can say I've had to make that jump from boring because you are, you know, if you're just sitting there staring at the wall for yeah. 10 minutes, yeah, it's real boring. But then when you tap into the aliveness of the present moment, that's where the magic happens. And a lot of people don't stick with it long enough. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to take years. It literally can take 10 minutes if you can train your mind to get present. Yeah. And uh, I also just want to kind of counter that belief that it can be like they'll be less productive you actually are far more productive because how many of us i mean raising my hand here how many of us have a wasted time when we're you know being productive in air quotes um scrolling through our feed you know scrolling through instagram or watching videos on facebook like i'm totally guilty of that and actually can be far more productive because you're present and there's this old zen saying um, if you don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes a day, or the Zen saying is if you, everyone should meditate for 20 minutes a day, and if you don't have time for that, meditate an hour a day. And the idea is that if you're so busy 
and you're kind of in this neurotic, like busyness, I'm doing, 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 but not getting anything done. Again, totally guilty of that. It's like mm -hmm. when you have a paper in college that you're trying to avoid. So you do the laundry, you clean your house, you call your mother, you know, you do everything else but the thing. And you're not actually being productive. So mindfulness can get you present, bring you back to center. And it actually takes far less energy, far less amount of time, far less effort to get so much more done because you're present with it. You have yeah. clarity of mind, you have presence in your body. You're not anxiously figuring out what you have to do. You can just swiftly move through it. Yeah. And this is what I really help a lot of my clients with is taking out, like stepping out of that productivity trap or stepping out of the I'm trying to avoid my present moment trap because I have this uncomfortable feeling. I don't know how to deal with it. So I'm going to try and avoid it. I help my clients get really present with that, address it um, in a really compassionate and kind way, a gentle way that's not based in self-regression. Like, look how I failed again. It's based in how can I move through this? How can I heal this so I can now create a different thing? Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I totally had like a, Oprah, aha, everybody's got to retweet this moment when you were doing the Zen saying about like, if you, you know, you have to meditate for 20 minutes a day. If you can't, you know, you don't an have hour, to yeah. do an hour a day. It's, it, it's so true. I mean, so many people that I've talked to personally and also clients are just like, I don't know how I'm going to work in doing meditation every day. I'm already so busy. And I'm just like, oh, Oh, you need it more than anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just painful to listen to. And, and people are like, I'm really stressed out. I don't have time to meditate. It's like, yeah, I'm too stressed. Meditation but, you know, I think it is so much that people have preconceived notions of what meditation is and what it can be. And it's, it's, it's very difficult, especially I talked about it with one of our previous guests, that especially if you're really a type a go 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 person and you're also maybe like in a, in a very anxious elevated fight or flight state to just go straight from there to sitting down and being really quiet in a dark quiet room is, is, <laughs> that's not gonna work yeah it's kind of the ninth circle of hell it's it's yeah. terrible so you're, you're much better off in those cases doing a moving meditation of yoga mm -hmm. something exercise getting your body moving and then once you're worn out a little bit and you've heated up your body and your brain is now a little colder, now you can sit down. Now you can meditate. And that'll yeah. give you much better results than trying to go from, I just had tons of coffee. I've been on the laptop all day. Now I'm just going <laughs> to sit down and be really quiet. Yeah, let me just stop. Yeah. And that, you know, when people do that, um, especially as us type Ayers are, uh, you know, it can be another check another to-do list item to check off throughout the day is like, did I meditate? And if I didn't, then, you know, it's this form of self-punishment almost like it becomes kind of this, um, what's the word like masochistic, like self-flagellating, like, you know, self-induced pain of having to sit down and it becomes a punishment, which is complete opposite of the goal here. So one of the things that really helped me um, especially when I was an angsty teenager and a young adult in college, I, you know, really took on the idea of, of what you can call living Dharma or Dharma art is the way that it was talked about by um, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. And what this is, is like, okay, when you are changing into your clothes in the morning and you're just throwing your pajamas on the bed, Instead, be present with folding your pajamas and putting it back in the drawer for tomorrow or taking them to the laundry basket or when you're brushing your teeth, 
being present with brushing your teeth. It doesn't mean you're doing it any less. It doesn't mean you're doing something anymore. It means you're bringing attention to what you're doing. And so the doing doesn't have to stop for those of us who really do. I mean, I'm perfectly comfortable sitting and meditating now, but for many years it was a challenge. And I know a lot of people who are go, go, goers struggle with this too, but cooking dinner, we all got to cook dinner, right? And actually to the smells and the aroma of the food that you're cooking and listening to the sizzling sound. It's just bringing an awareness to the moment, whatever that moment lies, you know, whatever comes in that moment. And I think the most powerful thing that you can train yourself to do, especially when you're really miserable or feel really stuck or like, don't like yourself, don't like your life is in those moments of pain or discomfort that we're always trying to avoid by watching TV or, you know, swiping on the dating apps or whatever it is that's taking your attention away, mindlessly eating while Netflix is going on and you're looking at your phone, you know, and the tablets playing in the background. Instead of avoiding the pain in those ways, just to take a moment, just even a fraction of a moment, a sliver of a second and just say, wow, this is uncomfortable. Or, hey, I'm having a hard time right now. You know, I used to go into like the garage or the bathroom or the closet and just like cry because I was like, I'm having a hard time and I need to get this out. You know, just being present for one second and saying, okay, this is tough. That can work wonders because it's bringing an awareness and then you're not just in this constant state of anxious trying to avoid. You're actually present with your experience and then it's workable. Then you can say, okay, now I'm ready to heal this. This is like we were talking about with breaking the thought patterns. If you first acknowledge your experience, then you have choice in how you want to address it. And um, that is something that really, really helped me getting unstuck. So if you find yourself stuck, you know, it may not be fun. It might not be enjoyable. You might even need professional help, but like learn to be present in those moments of discomfort, or you're just going to keep creating them for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually just talking about this on the last training that, you know, so many of us choose that, that numbing path and that avoidance path. And, you know, honestly, a couple different things happen in those scenarios usually is that you'll spend your entire life trying to avoid all your problems and you just ignore them. And then finally, one day you die and you're lying on your deathbed realizing you never did anything because you just avoided you know, facing the bad things. And the other part is that maybe you ignore the pain and the suffering by trying to not pay attention to it and try and distract yourself long enough. And then eventually it rears its ugly head and it gets too annoying for you to avoid. Um, yeah. so those are really, you know, terrible things that can happen. But one thing is that, yeah, if you are willing to just do the work of, you know, being with the discomfort, being with the the boredom, the, the, the uncertainty, the uneasiness, whatever the feeling is that you're having, if you're, if you're willing to just be with it a little bit, knowing that you can either spend the rest of your life having that constantly come up and you constantly try and avoid it, or you can just spend a little bit of time with it. And over a very short period of time, you can actually get rid of all of it because you've now gone past it rather than just avoiding it all the time. That's true. It's like the, the gratification of immediate, um, like pleasure, like avoiding your pain immediately actually sets you up for a lifetime of missing out on being alive. 
Because if you're avoiding the pain, guess what? You're avoiding the pleasure too. If you're avoiding how hard life is, you're also avoiding how beautiful and enjoyable and easy life is. And as you know, both of us were both kind of travel around the world and have taken, you know, these risks to live life fully. I know that I would not be able to appreciate living life fully if I hadn't also buried my head in the sand for many years. If I also hadn't missed out on so many years, this was my kind of quarter life crisis of like, what am I doing in life? What am I getting out of this? And I feel so dull and so, you know, lifeless and so passionless. And if I hadn't experienced that, I certainly wouldn't have uh, been able to create this life of feeling really alive every day and being able to travel and reach my goals and dreams, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah what's the saying? Uh, entrepreneurs are willing to live life in a way that most people want so that they can live a life that most people can't. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Do it. Something, something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Yeah, we're willing to suffer. You know, we're willing to, like, you know, I think back the you know the early college days with Emily and myself we would we would hop in our car load everything up that we owned and we drive across country the first time was to Colorado and we slept on an air mattress at somebody's house for three months while we were doing an internship and then the next year we uh, drove out to California in a different car loaded it up with everything including an air <laughs> threw it in a and then we lived in our car and took outdoor surfer showers for three months in California just so we could do another internship. You know, it's just yeah. doing all the crazy things that you have to do, you know, so that you can get to where you want to be. Knowing yeah, that, you can have the experiences. Yeah. Well, all right. well, and when it, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go, please. I was just going to say with the um, tying it into the mindfulness piece, it's like, there's a, and also bringing in kind of the psychology background, um, you know, there's the saying, I think it's from Joseph Campbell, there's no way out but through. Yeah. There's no way out but through. And the other, my other favorite quote from Joseph Campbell, he says, the treasure you seek lies in the cave you fear to enter. And this, you know, ties into hero's journey and kind of classic trials and tribulations and triumph stories. But in order to overcome, you cannot avoid like avoiding something only delays it and usually makes it worse. It's like a kid who's crying for attention. If you ignore it, the kid's going to do what? Scream louder. We all know that. And you have these internal parts of you that are yearning for being fully alive, yearning for having financial prosperity to be able to live the life they want, yearning for travel and connection and meaning and purpose. And the longer you push those aside, the louder they're going to scream. So I just really encourage people. I think it's such a, a wisdom thing that you brought up of the more you avoid it, the less you're alive, you know, the worse it gets. So if you, I also encourage people to seek professional help, find people to work with, reach out to me, reach out to you guys if you need and ask, you know, say, I'm ready to, to confront these things that are holding me back. I'm ready to start living fully. And it might mean going through the hard parts first in order to get where you want to go. So that's my little encouragement there. Yeah, that's so great. Well, just when I was thinking that the last thing was the perfect thing to end on. <laughs> I almost don't want to stop now. I kind of think we have to keep going forever. But, um, no. All right. Well, well, so, you know, as we, as we get to the end, obviously we always have, you know, a few last questions that we'd like to try and ask, but um, you know, I always like to, to take a moment, 
you know, I was inspired to do this by somebody else that I follow on their podcast. So I'm totally ripping it off from them, but I think <laughs> you know, something, something really great. And, and, and that's just to say thank you to you for, you know, for being here, not just for, for, for being on the show, for, you know, being on the podcast. Cause we had so many, I think really great, takeaways from what was said today and i hope everybody that's listening listens to this over and over and is able to pull out all you know the little nugget wisdoms that you share but just to like you know since since meeting you those years ago just knowing that you have always just been like i said i mean one of the most just positive positively energetic people that i've ever met and just such a kind heart and a sweet soul so it was so great to connect again and to have you on the show so Thank you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Everything you're thank, doing. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor. And you know, all of that love and goodness showered back onto you and Emily. I've always been a big fan. I'm totally fangirl over you guys. Every time I see you. Know, you know, we are too. Yeah. We, yeah, we love following you. Um, well, so yeah, speaking of that, where can people find you? Where can they, you know, get to know you and how can they work with you? Sure. So the first place is my website. It's sarahbirdcoaching.com. And that's Sarah with an H and bird with a Y, B-Y-R-D. Uh, sarahbirdcoaching.com is where you can find all of kind of my philosophy and theories. I do have an active blog called the Insights blog where I share my own experiences and takeaways. Um, and hopefully that can, you know, help you as well. You also can find my programs, how to work with me. I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm happy to take on uh, clients and help move them through any kind of transitional period they're having, um, help them do the healing work to break past their uh, limitations, start to live fully. I also have self-study programs and I do have group programs as well. So feel free to check that out, sarahbirdcoaching.com. You can follow me on Instagram. My handle is at sarahbirdcoaching. <laughs> so that's easy. And then you can find me on Facebook as well. Um, my page uh, is I think it's just at the same handle at Sarah bird coaching. So pretty straightforward. You can find me all around. I, my business formerly went under the name, hello, lovely life. So if you see that, that is associated with me as well. Feel free to reach out and um, yeah, people can contact me on any of those platforms. Yay. All right. Well, um, you know, one, one other question I always love to ask is, uh, you know, if there's any sort of interesting or wild experience that you've ever had while meditating. Oh Lord, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I really been doing this since I was a young teen and um, I've definitely had some trippy experiences, uh, again, most of which facilitated by professionals, but I can say that probably the most moving wild experience I've had is all of the past life regressions that I've done. You are taken into a met, if you're, you know, obviously facilitated by a licensed counselor who does this. Uh, you're taken into a meditative hypnotic state, into a different uh, brain wavelength state. And I've experienced multiple lifetimes, typically in the point of transition, the, meaning when I died in that life and transitioned into you know, the afterlife. And what's really powerful and I think so fun about these is not like, was I Cleopatra or was I Abraham Lincoln? You know, those are all fun. But what's so moving is just seeing the, um, the beauty in it, the, the beauty in transition and the lack of fear and this true sacred space as you transition uh, into the afterlife. And that has made me feel so much more alive in this life because I'm not just living in fear of death. 
I actually more so am living in fear of not being fully alive in this life. So it's really helped me um, kind of bring a new appreciation for every day and every moment I have. So that's probably probably the most fun one. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I recently had a had a visitation dream from a, um, a family member that had passed, and just one of the experiences I had was I actually got to experience his transition, and it was probably one of the most mind-blowing and incredible experiences I've ever had. It wasn't something that I had ever practiced for or experienced before, certainly not something I was prepared for, so it kind of blew my yeah. mind, but, but just having experienced that, now I have both a sensation of, wow, you know, I, you know, I almost don't even want to deal with this world anymore and <laughs> what's going to happen because it's so amazing. It's pretty time, blissful, yeah. Yeah, but, but at the same time, I just have like a newfound passion for life and just like yeah. realizing how incredible it is. Um, so yeah, yeah, totally echo that. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. Well, last question, and then we will wrap this up. Um, what does it mean to you to maximize your unlimited human potential? You know, there's this old saying, an old Zen saying, I don't even practice Zen Buddhism, but I know a lot of their sayings, so I like to take them. Um, but the idea is, um, or the, or the saying is Zen mind, beginner's mind. And the concept is, you know, if your mind is so full and you kind of think you know everything and you're like, I'm so enlightened, uh, you're actually not Zen. You're not experiencing what it means to be present in the moment. So the best way to get into that is just pure simplicity. Just drop every, all your preconceived notions, drop all the ideas you have and just come back into the present moment, just like a beginner. And I think for me to tap into my wild, unlimited, fullest potential is that simplicity concept is just like being in the present moment. I know that there, you know, as business owners, there's funnels, there's marketing, there's email strategy, there's content, there's videos, right? There's so much to it. And that really satisfies the type A side of my brain. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it also is like, okay, if I am going on this amazing trip and all I do is just get, I used to see this at the Rocky Mountain National Park. People would drive from wherever you know, Florida coming up, seeing these beautiful mountains, they get out of their car, they take their picture, they get back in the car and they leave. And it's like, you didn't even experience the mountains. You didn't even enjoy the moment. So I think for me, my unlimited potential is really just about no matter how big my life is going, how small my life might seem, you know, I'm saying this to my former self, no matter how challenging or how easy things are just to be present. And that is where I can find the aliveness, gratitude, appreciation, getting still, really feeling my heartbeat and my blood flowing through me. That is living so fully. And that's something that everybody can do wherever they are at any stage in life at any moment. So yeah, that would be mine. Yeah, that is fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to connect again. And again, you know, everybody that listens to this, make sure to check out Sarah on her website, uh, learn how you can work with her, learn how you can follow along on her wild journey. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you once more for, for, for being here on the podcast. We deeply appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. 
Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it with the people you love most. And if you want to learn more about how you can program your mind, unlock your unlimited potential, and create the life you really want, then check out the Heavily Meditated Mentorship at heavilymeditatedpodcast.com forward slash mentorship. Until next time, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you on the next episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast.